Hey, welcome to ACF Church, and we're so glad that you're with us watching this message online. And our hope is that it would encourage you to be more like Jesus and walk closely with Him as an apprentice of Christ. And our hope is to give away all of these resources for free as much as possible. It takes a lot of time and energy and people to make that happen. And if you'd like to support the mission of God financially for ACF Church, you can go to acfak.org and you can give there. Now enjoy the Word of God proclaimed. Welcome to 11 o'clock at ACF. My name is Stuart. I'm one of the pastors here. If you're joining us in person, we're so glad you're here. If you're joining us online, also glad you're here. Thank you for taking time to be with us this morning. I think you picked an amazing day to be here. Uh, And the reason is we're finishing a four-week series. uh, And the first week, it's uh, called Heart Check. And we're looking at some attitudes inside us. And so this has been an uncomfortable series. I know for me personally, and I don't know for you either, but when we start dealing heart issues. It's easier like behavioral issues. It's harder with things that are inside us because they start to get at who we really are as people. And so this has been a challenging series, but today uh, I'm super excited to be able to share with you. The first week we looked at guilt, uh, and the second week we looked at anger, and then last week we looked at greed, and today we have the privilege of talking about jealousy. Yay! Before you check out, though, uh, I want to let you know would you do me a favor first? Would you look at the person next to you, like both ways? Look, look at them, smile at them, maybe say hi, since you're right there. Uh, pretend, don't pretend they're not there anymore. They, they know you're there. But look, at, look around. If you're at home, you know, you may be looking at like, you know, in the mirror or the TV or, you know, the couch next to you, but make, make sure you get a good view of yourself. This message is not for you guys, so you don't have to worry. Like, you can just relax today. This is not about you guys at all. This, you don't have an issue with jealousy. Did you just not see what an amazing, amazingly awesome-looking group of believers and people we have in this room and at home. Like, we're, we're awesome. This, we're amazing. So this is not for you. Relax. Chill out. You don't have to stress. I'm not talking to you at all. I'm not talking to me. I mean, come on. We're amazing. This, but you do want, I'm encouraging you to take some notes only because you know people that you want to tell about jealousy, right? You know they're struggling, so, so do pay attention to them. But we're Really, this series has followed uh, the outline of a book uh, by Andy Stanley called Enemies of the Heart, and I don't recommend a lot of books, but I do recommend this book. If you have not, most, uh, many of you have picked it up, but if you haven't, uh, go on Amazon, get it uh, coming towards you. Um, it, is, it is worth the read. It's an easy, quick read. It's to the point. Andy writes in a style that uh, my brain somehow clicks with. Uh, he just says, this is the issue. This is how you deal with it. 
and, and that's what I love. And um, yeah, so get that, and it'll be awesome. I got it for my kids. I'm hoping they'll work through it as well, because um, I wish I had learned some of these principles and some of these enemies of our hearts at an early age uh, like that, instead of trying to you know, recoup from where I am now. When I was uh, a youth pastor back in Tucson, I, uh, my wife and I, we had just gotten married you know, maybe a year before, and it's like maybe 2003, 2004 time frame, and we were uh, in a life group with other youth pastors and their spouses uh, in, in Tucson, and so a big group of us would get together, and we would just share life together, and we would you know, share stories, learn about God, challenge each other. Uh, one thing I noticed was, I thought there was something in the water, was uh, it seemed like every time we got together, another couple would say, I'm pregnant, or here's my new baby. And my wife and I were taking it hard because we were struggling. Uh, we were early in our marriage, and we were trying to get pregnant, and we were having an exceedingly hard time. And when we did get pregnant, we had miscarriages, and some early term, some late term miscarriages. And so it became increasingly harder. We would go visit with our friends, and we wanted to celebrate with them. We loved them. We were happy and excited for them. But we would go home, and it was a deep, dark hurt that we were experiencing. And what we realized was we were jealous of our really good friends, and we actually, at, at one time, we stopped meeting with them. We said, it's nothing against you guys. We love you, but we just can't do this. It's too emotionally painful for us to be around all of this, all of this joy of, around a thing that we desire so greatly that we don't have, and we can't figure out how to make happen. Uh, just to not end on, or start on a really sad note, but uh, we, we have five kids now, so I talk about that a lot. So, um, yeah, was, so we figured something out. So um, maybe you've, you found yourself, uh, maybe a friend showing you their brand new truck, and your words are, that's a great truck. I'm so happy for you. But in your mind, you're kind of thinking, what a waste. They don't even tow with that. They're just going to park it in the garage. They'll back it out occasionally. They'll, they'll wax it, clean it, push it back in the garage, maybe, you know, drive it on a nice clean weekend. But I would use that tool. They, they, they're not. They're, what a waste. Maybe living in Alaska, you've come to grips with the fact that it takes two or three weeks to get two-day free shipping stuff from, from Amazon, right? But secretly, you're harboring ill feelings towards your relatives in lower 48 who are getting free overnight shipping. And if you're my brother in Phoenix, he literally gets same-day shipping free. So he orders at lunch whatever he wants to eat or have at his house for dinner. Which, yeah, I'm, I'm a, I am a little jealous, so if you're watching, um, I'm super jealous of you, Lee. So maybe you've been over for life group at your friend's houses, and they have a really nice house, and you've said, this is a great house, I love it, and they don't have any kids, and they've got like 2,500 square feet, and you realize we live in a shoebox, and we've got tons of kids, and there's a feeling, maybe it's just me, but maybe there's a feeling of jealousy there. You know, if you can relate to any of these or, or some of the other uh, ways that we envy what people have around us, then I want to encourage you, to, again, for your friends, to pay attention to some of these issues, because your friends are probably struggling this, with this more than you are. But the good news is, Scripture talks a lot about jealousy. Uh, it is all through Scripture, and so God gives us a lot of guidance in that. And so we're going we're gonna to turn our attention to a passage in the book of James. It's James chapter 4, starting in verse 1. And if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and open. If you don't have it with you, you can use your phone. Uh, you have the ACF Church app. You can get a new version app, whatever is convenient for you to get there. But I encourage you to read along uh, in James chapter 4, starting in verse 1. And James says this, 
What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says, he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives us more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. And I gotta be honest, I mean, it's, it's a, that's a kind of a, a very straightforward, um, maybe hard to listen to passage of scripture, but I love the way James communicates. I think he and I would get along really well. He's just right at it. He doesn't beat around the bush. He doesn't flower you up before he punches you in the gut. He literally just comes right at it. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Isn't it this? He just gets right on it. And that's the way I love to think. I love people that come to me and go, I have a problem with you, and this is it. I don't have to wonder, like, why are you telling me you like me and you're, you're cool with me? And then, then they hit you hard and they tell you you're good again, right? That's the, the insult sandwich. But James gets right to the, what, he, what I see is the source of our jealousy. Uh, he gets right at it. And he tells us what that source is. And it's really that, that our own passions are warring within us, that we want stuff that other people have and we can't get it. And so we get frustrated, not with the fact that we don't have it, but we get frustrated that somebody else does and it can be it can be anything it can be money for sure right it's it's money's got to be on that list uh, my wife and i always joke that that somewhere we have lost our large bag of money and if you find it return it to us please we would love to to take care of it for you but it can also be so much more maybe it's a closer relationship that your friends have with each other that you long for it seems like all your friends just have this close relationship and yet you and your spouse are struggling Maybe it's a position at work. Maybe it's they're more talented. Maybe it's you want a different shaped body than you have and all your friends seem to have a different shaped body. My five-year-old, my youngest, um, one of the things she loves to do when I come home and I sit on the couch uh, is come up to me and start punching me in the stomach. And she's five, so usually I can handle it, right? So not always, but most of the time I'm ready. But she'll be punching and it's kind of fun up until she says almost every time, Daddy, your belly is squishy. <laughs> and I don't care who you are, if you're a man, <laughs> I don't care how old you are, how good a shape you think you are, when a, when a five-year-old says that, it cuts to your soul. <laughs> and you're jealous. And you wonder, I wonder, does Pastor Josh sit on the couch and his kids <laughs> punch him in the stomach and they say, you have a squishy belly? Like, I want to know. So... This is your homework assignment. If you see Pastor Josh, punch him in the stomach and let me know. <laughs> Maybe you wanted more involved parents as a kid. Maybe your parents were pretty distant and you were like a latchkey kid and you just felt like, man, if I had parents like that, I could have been so much more advantaged in life, but I didn't. And I want it. 
And I know for a fact, because I have kids, that if I had your kids, I would be a really good parent. We could trade. We could work out a, a, a system that will help that, right? Maybe I want my friend's clean house, uh, clean house, or at least their skill set of cleaning the house with a fine-tooth comb and making it amazing. Maybe I've got moose envy. I'm coveting my neighbor's moose, right? In Alaska, that, that can be a real thing, and I don't know if you're aware, but if you go back to, we're not going to go there, but Exodus 20, 17, if, you know, where it says thou, and it's got to be in King James English because it's way more authoritative, right? Thou shalt not cover thy neighbor's house. In Hebrew, I, I guarantee it's in there. You can challenge me on it, but it's there. That, Nor shalt thou covet thy neighbor's moose. So we look around and we see things that we don't have and we want them. We desire them. And there's a difference between wanting something I can want my neighbors side by side. Well, I can want a side by side. But now when it gets personal and it turns to them, my neighbor doesn't deserve it. I want theirs. How come it, they got it and I didn't? Now it's personal. And now we've crossed a line somewhere. And we're going to kind of explore that here as we go forward, right? But jealousy, like the other enemies of the heart, it's one of the, we, we like to hide them. No one likes to admit we've got flaws, right? And we don't. I already, we already went over this. But we don't want to admit it. And with some of the other ones, we can kind of in, internally struggle with, I can get angry. I, I get that. I can be a little greedy. Okay. Feel a little bit of guilt. I got to deal with that. But to be honest with you, jealousy makes us sound petty when we express it. Even internally, it makes us sound like uh, maybe school children who didn't get what they wanted and now they're attacking the other kid. And, and it just doesn't feel right with us. And so even internally, we are really good with jealousy of shoving it down and pretending it's not there or just ignoring it long enough to where we don't feel it anymore. And the problem really is the people we're jealous of aren't the problem. They seem like the problem, but they're not really the problem. James goes on and tells us what the problem is. He says we don't have because... We don't ask. And it's not that we don't ask, you know, my neighbor for his six-by-six that's sitting in his yard. If I ask him, he would say, no, you can't have it. It's mine. I worked hard for it. And he did. He's a great guy, right? No, it's asking God. James is telling us that we don't have because we don't ask with God. And it's, this is a hard stop really here because this is something we we need to grasp in our our discussion of jealousy or we're going to miss it altogether. We think we have the problem with the people around us who have the thing that we want, whether it's a talent or an ability or a position or, or money, whatever that thing is, but it's not them. We'd be okay with them having it as long as we also got it, right? My friends back in Tucson in that group, we were cool with them having babies all, the, all over the place, right? But we wanted it. And so then we started harboring feelings for them, and it wasn't their problem. We were looking to them to meet a need that only God can meet. And that was our issue. The reality is the people around us didn't owe us anything, right? Our issue was with something else. And so if you remember back on the first week, we said that guilt says that I owe you something. I feel guilty, so I owe you something. And then we said anger says that you owe me something, that there's a debt, you've done something to me, and you owe me a debt. And then we said last week, greed says that I owe me Right, So I owe myself. I deserve this. No matter how much I collect, I'm collecting because I want to be generous. But we're not. 
We're greedy. We're just collecting it for ourselves. And jealousy says this. It says that God owes me. So when we're feeling ill feelings towards someone else, even though it may be directed at the people around us, the reality is that we're upset that the God of the universe who has the power to give and to take away gave to them, could have given to us, and didn't. And that's where our frustration lies, but we don't want to admit it. We don't want to take it there, and James says that's where you need to take it. You need to go to God and ask, and you need to wrestle with that. If I didn't get a promotion, you know the reality is that God could have given it to me. didn't have to give it to my coworker. He could have given it to me, but he didn't. So I need to take that to God. If I'm not as attractive as my siblings, is that their fault? No. Who made that choice? God. I need to take it to God. He alone has that power, right? If I can't seem to get ahead, all my friends are just living it up and I'm just living, barely scraping by, is it their fault or is it something I need to interact with with God? If all my friends are having babies, is it their fault? No, I need to interact with God. And so he says, why don't, when we do ask, why don't we get? And he says, because you ask with wrong motivations. You're asking with the perspective of yourself, not with a godly perspective. God's got more going on in the universe than just me. But I am the star of my own play, so everything has to revolve around me all the time. And so my motives when I go to God are for me. And they may be good things you're asking for. I ask for, I think, good things. But yeah, my, my garage would look really different. I think I would have self-destructed about 18 if I had gotten everything that I ever asked for from God. There'd be a Lamborghini Countach sitting in my garage rotting right now if I survived the speed. And I know this for a fact. I have five kids, youngest five, the oldest 15. And 24-7, anytime, day or night, if you ask them, do you want ice cream or candy, there's a 110% chance that they will say, yes, I want ice cream or candy. And tonight, when we're putting them to bed and they're coming out for their third drink of the night before they go to bed, some of you parents know what I'm talking about. If you know how to solve that, let me know. Um, They'll see my wife and I, maybe I'm having my, I call it second dinner, but it's, it'll be a snack or something, so it'll probably be ice cream or candy, and then they'll, can I have some candy? And it's 10 o'clock at night. As a good dad, of course, I say, you better say no. If you don't, <laughs> you, need, you need to find, you need to get right with Jesus, because <laughs> you don't give kids ice cream and candy at 10 o'clock at night if you want any peace in your house or the next day. So it's important. So you have to, as a father, know when to say yes and when to say no. And I want to say yes, I love my kids, but there are times when I know what's best. There are times that I withhold something that may seem obviously good because I'm trying to develop a character trait in that child. And as a good father, I'm attentive to that, and I need to do it. So he tells us the source of the issue is that we're taking it to other people. We're trying to grasp from the people around us the things that only God is in a position to provide. So now he tells us the seriousness of the problem in verses 4 through 6. And he says this, that if we take, take hold of the things around us and we get our needs met by the people around us, if we strive for that, that we have become friends with the world. And he says, if you're friends with the world, you are an enemy of God. That's pretty serious. 
we should take note of this. This is not something like, you should work on this someday when you get some free time. This is, I don't, I don't know about you, I don't want to be an enemy of God, and I don't want you to be, and I know we don't want to be, but when we start trying to have our needs met by ourselves or by the people around us, we have become an enemy of God because we have disallowed the very thing, um, the very person who can supply us with what we need. And so when we feel these jealous feelings towards the people around us, it really is like a dashboard light blinking and telling you there's a warning, there's something. You're trying to get your needs met here on earth rather than from our Heavenly Father. And we need to pay attention. What I love is James in the middle of this, what amounts to a a topic. He doesn't come out and say, hey, you're struggling with jealousy, but the way he describes it is, You're struggling with jealousy. You're trying to get your needs met from the people around you. You're upset at them because they have things you want. So in this topic, he throws in verse 5, and in verse 5 he says, he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. So he's basically saying God is jealous over the spirit that lives in you. Don't be jealous. And so then it brings up in my mind the question, there's got to be different ways to look at jealousy or else something's weird when he's saying I can't be jealous but God can be jealous it seems like maybe I don't, I don't understand my definition of jealousy or I need to, to get more information. And so I want us to look at three quick passages of Scripture. We're not going to camp there at all. We're just going to touch on them. But it splits out that there's different ways that jealousy can be expressed. And the first is jealousy being listed in an, a, a really long list of other sins, of things that damage us, our people around us, and our relationship with God. And that's in Galatians 5, verse 19. So there's a very negative side of jealousy that we're talking about here today. And it says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So in a long list of things that are, are sinful, that are damaging, that that we should be trying to avoid, jealousy is listed. So there's clearly a side of jealousy that we need to address, and I think that's the one James is dealing with here. But then we also see Paul, when he's addressing the church in Corinth, he says, that, uh, he says this, actually, in 2 Corinthians eleven two, he says, for I feel a divine jealousy for you, and he's trying to guard them from false teachers, uh, different ways of thinking that are not of God. And he says, I feel a, a jealousy for you. In this, a divine jealousy, he says. So clearly there's a time when it's okay for a human being to feel jealousy for others. And then God himself says this about who he is when he's getting ready, to, he's re- renewing the covenant he has with the nation of Israel when they've come out of Egypt. And this is before they, uh, long before they go into the land that he's giving them. Uh, but he's renewing this covenant and saying this is what's, what needs to happen. And he says this in Exodus 34, 13. You shall tear down their altars and break their pillars and cut down their Asherim, for you shall worship no other God. For the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. And so not only do we see God saying, well, occasionally I express jealousy, but my name is Jealous, and I am a jealous God. And I think a lot of us like to view jealousy with God like this. It's like, I am the Lord God, all-loving, merciful. I am full of, you know, righteousness, and I'm a little jealous. And we just pretend like it's this, like, Achilles heel of God, a a, a flaw 
that somehow works itself out. But the reality is when God says, my name is jealous, he's saying it's a divine attribute, that it's something that is holy and describes him accurately, not something to be hidden or, or talked about in the dark recesses of, of our society. And so I, I tried to, to put together what I think are godly jealousy and worldly jealousy and definitions that will help, at least they help me process our discussion on jealousy. And this is what I came up with. Godly jealousy is zeal or passion to defend what belongs exclusively to God. Worldly jealousy is believing we deserve something that God hasn't given us. So godly jealousy, what does God deserve? He deserves our whole devotion, complete worship. So when he is literally in the midst of the nation of Israel as a, a pillar of fire and a, a cloud, he says, I am jealous because I am here among them. So I will fight vehemently to protect, to defend, to love, to care for, to nurture and to father and develop. So then in James when he says he yearns jealously for the spirit that he has made to live in us. So when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, God's spirit comes to live in us and he is jealous of that spirit the same way he was jealous of the nation of Israel when he was in their midst. And so he he, he is fighting for us to honor and to glorify him. When I was in middle school, I rode the bus for 40 minutes to get to school. My parents lived kind of out there, and I remember one of my friends, her name was Christy, and her older brother was named Carl, and he was two years older than Christy, and he was a bigger dude, and I was a skinny little runt. And Christy was a good friend, and that, that one day, we're headed back, and we're kind of bored, and there's only, you know, a few of us on the bus. Carl started just, like, making fun of Christy, and it was, you know, he, she was laughing, he was laughing, and I was laughing, and I just thought, this is the perfect time to make fun of Christy. So I make fun of Christy, and like a freight train, Carl gets out of his seat and is in my face, and he, he goes, he says, I don't, think, I don't know if he put his finger in my face, but it seemed like it. At least there was the air of his finger in my face. No one insults my sister except me. And I knew at that moment that it was not okay to insult Christy ever. Carl had righteously defended with passion what was exclusively his, his sister, his sister's honor. So when God gives us something, we can defend it with zeal as well. When it's exclusively given to us, we can defend it, and we should. Our family, our spouse, people who can't fight for themselves, other believers. The truth, we should be jealous of these things because of the spirit who dwells in us. So is there a question that we can ask ourselves that will help identify if jealousy is a problem in our heart? I think there is, and it's this. Who do I secretly hope will fail? Who am I kind of rooting for that they're just going to get taken down a notch or two or maybe completely taken out? Maybe it's that coworker that got the promotion you wanted. You're really just like cheering when they get chewed out by the boss. Maybe it's a sibling who's just better at everything than you, got more attention from your parents than you. Maybe it's somebody who's got all the things that you want, right? So James has given us the source of our jealousy. It's our own passions 
We're trying to get our needs met from the people around us. I think somehow it's our job or their job to make us uh, happy and fulfilled when really we should be going to God. He tells us it's serious, that we don't want to be enemies of God. We want to take it seriously and start to work on rooting some of these feelings out. So we've identified that there is a good jealousy, a righteous jealousy. And then James goes on and tells us the solution to our jealousy. And I love that he, he, he gives us the, the answer, and it's this. Take it up with God. That, that's not maybe the answer you're looking for. Because I think we want the three steps to how to get what I want. And, and that would be a lot, maybe, I don't know if that'd be easier, but that would make me feel better as I walk out of here today. But the reality is, we have to take it up with God. Because ultimately, that's where it lies. Ultimately, that's where it's gonna come from. So we have to admit this truth. And it's really a three-part truth that I want, want us to understand today. And it's this. No one owes me anything. What I have comes from God. And if I don't have it, I need to take it up with God. Again, that's not what we want to hear, but that's the truth. We want to tell you the truth. And I think James is telling us the truth here. So if I'm not as smart as someone else, it's not their fault. I need to take it up with God. My next door neighbor brings home two six by sixes like he did last year. It's not his fault that I'm jealous of his stuff. I need to take it up with God. If my friends are in perfect health and I'm struggling, can't seem to, to get a, a leg up, it's not their fault. I need to take it up with God. We need to go to God and wrestle with it. And this is something I think that we, uh, an art that we've lost. I'll pray once and I'm done, right? Or I'll, I'll, I'll think about it and I hope that God hears it somehow. And I expect that it's going to be an instant answer. I've talked about it before, but when I was in Tucson, right before I came up to Alaska, I had left a church about a year and a half before we came up here, and it was a hard leave for my wife and I. I was a youth pastor. Um, we had a lot of friends in, in, in this church, and the way we left, we felt like, I literally said for the second time in my life, I will never work at a church again, and here I am. So I have really not true to my own words, but so we left, and I was very hurt, bitter, crushed, depressed, angry, felt uh, injured and scarred, all those things. And I needed to support my family, so I did that while roofing. So I started a roofing company, and it was mainly just painting roofs that are like low-slope, flat roofs in Tucson with kind of a rubberized coating on them. Recoat those. You can make, make pretty decent money doing that. But mostly by myself, hired crews to do other things, but that was the majority of my job was me time in my head by myself on a roof angry with god hating every minute of it because roofing in tucson stinks um it I, don't do it it is not a good career path um but what i found was this i could at first internally in my head express my my frustrations with god and i kind of tiptoed into his throne room god i really don't like what i'm what i'm doing and after a while, even verbally, was able to get angry, to express my deep hurt, to explore even parts of my heart that were dark that I didn't realize. And that, I don't know when it changed, but somewhere, I, I tell people God was sweet with me on the roof. He was kind, and he allowed me to vent. He allowed me to process, to struggle, and I have ideas on that process, but all I can say is that the Spirit changed my heart. 
We need to be in the struggle. And once we've gotten it out, once we've gone to God and been honest and actually opened up our feelings that we have, then we have to interact with this, which is my favorite quote from the book, and it deals with jealousy. So it's Andy Stanley, and he says this in Enemies of the Heart. Now, if you find it a bit daunting to look God in the eye and accuse him of owing you anything, or owing you something, you're on the verge of a breakthrough. If you really do think he has mistreated you and, in fact, owes you something, then my suggestion is that you reread the New Testament. Jesus, along with a host of others, makes it pretty clear that we were goners, hopelessly separated from God. But God had mercy and gave us exactly what we did not deserve. Forgiveness, the price, his son. The truth is, we owed God a debt we couldn't pay, so he paid it, thereby erasing forever the possibility of his owing us anything, ever. If that didn't just step on your toes, because it certainly crushed mine, then you were either dreaming about where you're going to lunch today or what you're going to be streaming on Netflix later. But that's where we are. That's what we're left with when we have these feelings of unresolved jealousy in our heart, when we're desiring something or seeking it from people around us instead of going to God with our honest heart and actually wrestling with and dealing with where we are before him. We're left with we don't owe God or he doesn't owe us anything. He's already given us everything in Jesus, and we have to learn to be satisfied and content with what he has given and then be trusting with him with what he has withheld. And that only comes from a place of going face-to-face with the God who created us. It doesn't come from dancing around it. Paul in Philippians 4 says this, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. It's not just a workout slogan to get you motivated. It's an acknowledgement that everything comes from God. He is the giver of all good gifts, and that if we are lacking something, then we need to take it up with him instead of taking it out on those around us. So then the question becomes, is there something practical that I can do this week? Can I take some steps to try to start rooting out some of this jealousy in my heart? And the answer is yes. The answer is yes. And so in the first week when we talked about guilt, we said that confession heals guilt. And in the second week when we talked about anger, we said that forgiveness begins to heal anger. And last week as we were talking about greed, we said that generosity is what starts to heal greed. And so confession heals jealousy. Or I'm sorry, celebration. Celebration starts to heal jealousy. And what does that mean? We celebrate we're jealous? Yay, I'm jealous. Look at me. No, I would sound very petty um, in that. So we don't want to celebrate our jealousy, but we want to find things in other people to celebrate. Maybe the very people that we are jealous of or that we're envious of here on earth. And we first need to take it to God and wrestle with where we are. And then we can honestly and genuinely find ways to celebrate. So it's the person behind you today singing. Do they have an amazing voice? And like, even while you're praising God, you're like, man, I hope they choke on peanuts. (laughs) 
Maybe you need to turn around and just acknowledge, like, man, you are an amazing singer. So if someone tells you that today, you know it's genuine because they're struggling, right? <laughs> Maybe a coworker we talked about got a promotion you didn't. Can you honestly say to them, you're the best person for the job? Wrestle with God until you can. Maybe your spouse was able to solve a problem that you couldn't figure out, and they were just way more clever than you. You need to let them know that. And then you need to congratulate yourself because you were smart enough to marry that person. So just, just saying. Is your, is your friend, are they better looking than you, smarter, skinnier? Maybe they have better fashion sense, maybe a better speaker than you. Let them know how much they stand out. Celebrate what other people have been given instead of focusing in our lack. When we focus in on our lack, we will experience bitterness and anger and dissension, and it will lead to all of the things that James warns us about, and we will miss out. When we celebrate what others have, we start to keep, take our eyes on, off of what we don't have, and we start to put them where they rightfully belong, and that's on our Heavenly Father. So what do we go? Where do we go from here? What do we do? If you have your cards that were on your uh, seats when you came in, and I they're going to be online as well, but we always have four action steps, and it's that little card at the bottom that you can rip off and you can drop in a basket on your way out. There's nothing magical to it. It simply is a tool that we're offering to help you be reminded this week. We're not going to send people to your front door, but we are going to just going to send you a text or email that lets you know you made this choice. How are you doing? And that's it. Just so I, I love being reminded of things that I committed to. It helps me out. So here's the first one is begin a relationship with Jesus. The reality is if you don't start there, if you don't start with a relationship with Jesus, then the rest of this is just trying to look religious without actually having a changed heart. And that's not what we're about. We're about connecting with the God who created us through Jesus Christ so that we can be new creations, and that's where it starts. Doesn't mean you're perfect, it just means you're now taking steps on a complete interchange. The second one is make a list of what others have that you really want. You're going to sound really petty to yourself, but be honest. What do you really want? What is it that you're feeling like, man, you got gypped? It could be looks. It can be your, your health. It can be your things, your, where you live, the people you're with, the, the place you live, all those things. If only I had what they have. Make a list of those things that you really want and take them to God and start wrestling. And the third and the fourth one are kind of linked. You got to do the third one first, but you got to end with the, the fourth one. Who do I secretly hope will fail? Maybe you've been thinking about someone this whole time, or maybe God brought them to your mind, you know, here at the end, but who are you kind of rooting that they just won't succeed, that you'll just do a little bit better than them? Or maybe they'll crash and burn all together. This could be political. I don't want to get too, too into that, but think about that one for a second. And then the second one is, how could I genuinely, genuinely celebrate what God has given to them? Am I to that point? And if I'm not, then I've got some more work to do, some more heart work to do before God. And there's no, there's no shortcut of that process. It, it's, there's not an overnight solution to it. There is a simply going to God and trusting him in it. So would you pray with me as we close our time together here? Dear Heavenly Father, I want to say thank you so much. Lord, thank you for loving us. Lord, I thank you that, uh, that you care about the condition of our hearts. Lord, I thank you for the words that you have spoken through James. That you have revealed that the source of our, our problems really begins when we look to anything or anyone to supply our needs or our wants or our desires other than you. Lord, that it's a serious problem in our heart. 
And the solution is that we need to connect with you. And we need to be honest with you. We need to come clean. Instead of pretending like this isn't something that I'm wrestling with, I need to come and bring it to you, Lord. And I believe at that moment, Lord, your spirit who dwells in us will start to change us. Lord, I thank you that you don't give up on us. I thank you that you care enough about us to put us through hard times and good times. That you are more concerned with our heart and our character than you are with a temporary enjoyment. So Lord, I thank you that you are a good, good father. I love you, Lord. And I pray that you would let us go and reflect uh, your glory this week. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you, guys. Thanks for watching this message from ACF Church. Uh, We hope it's encouraged you and challenged you to be more like Jesus and to walk with Him in a closer and more profound way. If you'd like to give to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so at the link on the screen or at acfak.org. We love you and we'll see you next week.